Welcome to this Friday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. We are glad you're here. I'm Lori Boyer, your host. In the show today, Taylor Charleston will join us with a special report talking about the registration of a new chemical option for tomato growers that are fighting branched broom rape. I'll have a look at regional and national agricultural news as well, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. On a second day of New Zealand's 2035 Oceana Summit, California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross had an opportunity to meet with the Minister of Agriculture, Damian O'Connor, to discuss the aligned values of California and New Zealand on climate change. This bilateral dialogue led to a signing of a letter of intent to lower emissions, expand market opportunities, and further climate resilience in agriculture through research, innovation, agricultural technologies, and nature-based solutions. This builds very positively on a memorandum of understanding signed by Governor Gavin Newsom and the New Zealand Prime Minister back in May. Minister O'Connor and I agree on many things, according to Secretary Ross, including the fundamental understanding that they cannot have healthy farms without healthy ecosystems. The letter was signed as New Zealand announced a pilot project for agricultural emissions pricing, which will make the country the first in the world to establish a financial system to mitigate emissions from livestock. Other significant topics at the summit included a discussion about the climate impact to the Pacific Island nations, from sea level rise and ocean acidification to more severe droughts, cyclones, and floods. The Pacific Island countries have done little to contribute to climate change but face the most dire consequences. The message was clear, provide them the opportunity to introduce agrotech so they can leave no one behind. She also said she had the pleasure of being one of the closing speakers for the summit and shared the urgency of their need to collaborate on climate, water availability, food security, and energy. Challenges create opportunities, according to Secretary Ross and California's reality with a hotter, drier climate is a call to action for farmers, academia, and government. The California Department of Food and Agriculture is seeking members for a new advisory committee to support the Farm to Community Food Hubs program. The 10-member committee will advise the Secretary of Food and Agriculture on education outreach and technical assistance for the program. CDFA is seeking applications for 10 primary members with three members from Northern California, three members from Central California, three members from Southern California, and one member who is a farmer or rancher selected from any region. Four members must be executives or managers of a food supply chain business, including a producer, processor, or purchaser headquartered in California. Four members must be executives or directors of a non-governmental organization or representative of an academic institution, including K-12 schools with expertise in advancing food system improvements, supportive of local food systems, equitable access to healthy food, labor in the food system, or climate adaptive and climate resilient food systems. One member must be a sustainable agriculture and research education program representative housed within the University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources, and one member must be a farmer or rancher who qualifies as one or more of the following, socially disadvantaged, beginning, limited resource, veteran, disabled, and or operates a farm or ranch that is 500 acres or less. Interested applicants should complete the prospective member appointment questionnaire located on the Farm to Community Food Hubs program webpage, which you can find through the California 
California Department of Food and Agriculture website. Applicants will indicate the desired member position, obtain a letter of recommendation from a relevant agricultural industry representative, and submit both documents to CDFA. Applications are due by October 30th for review and consideration. San Diego County avocado growers are facing hard times as a result of the spiking costs of water in combination with ongoing drought and heat waves. The crop generated just $82.8 million throughout the region in 2021, down from $152.9 million in 2020. It was the first time the fruit generated less than $100 million a year since 1996. Lack of precipitation has played a significant role. San Diego has recorded two straight years of below average precipitation and farmers are feeling the impacts. Growers have had to irrigate year-round, which not only costs more, but does not flush salts from the ground as effectively. As California grapples with record dry conditions, heat waves have also exasperated woes for growers in the county. Spiking temperatures have caused trees to aggressively shed avocados before they're ripe. Local avocado farmers have increasingly taken land out of production as the cost of water has skyrocketed. Growers harvested 14,458 acres last year, down for more than 26,000 acres in 2007. During a time frame, the wholesale cost of water has roughly tripled. In a season that has been difficult for many citrus growers, the family-owned grower shipper Fruit World has announced several bright spots in their 2022 to 2023 citrus season. In particular, Fruit World is experiencing a large volume of high-quality organic lemons throughout their year-round program, with promotable volumes peaking from mid-October through February. This year's crop is even stronger than it was in 2021, which was also above average. They're seeing exceptional volumes and beautiful fruit this season, according to C.J. Buxman co-founder of the company and director of supply. He says to ensure a steady year-round supply, they grow in California's District 3 desert region through March before transitioning to the Central Valley's District 1. This year's volumes are also supported by several young blocks that kicked into production this season. Fruit World's flagship Mandarin program is on track to start slightly earlier than last season with conventional fruit shipping from late October into early May and organic mandarins available from mid-November through early May. Conventional and organic mandarin volumes are both up from the 2021 season, but are still down from typical yields. Climate change conditions, including extreme heat and irregular precipitation, are the greatest challenges facing the industry this year, as growers have been pivoting as quickly as possible to adapt. Overall quality is strong, and sizable portion of Fruit World's conventional crop will be transitioning to organic in the 2023 to 2024 season. Stem and leaf mandarins are seeing increasing demand year over year, and fruit World has been building their program to meet the rush of popularity, especially during the holiday season. Stem and leaf mandarins will be available in four-pound clamshells and 10-pound boxes and standard half-bushel boxes. The company has also began shipping the popular organic real red grapefruits, known for their gorgeous interior color, flavor, and superb quality. Volumes and fruit size are down slightly compared to last season, but supply is still anticipated to be on par with the standard season and able to meet consumer demand into January. Rounding out the organic specialty citrus program, Fruit World's sweet limes are seeing increased interest as consumers and retailers become more familiar with the flavor profile. 
Revel Greens, the largest sustainable greenhouse lettuce grower in North America, has announced it will double its romaine lettuce production throughout the remainder of 2022 and into 2023. The notable increase in production is supported by Revel Greens' innovative indoor growing facilities in Minnesota, California, and Georgia, as well as the new 20-acre facility in Temple, Texas. Thanks to its clean and green growing process and its protected growing environments, Revel Greens, which grows organic and conventional lettuce products and offers over seven romaine products in both head lettuce and baby leaf types can produce fresh, delicious, and clean lettuce 365 days a year without the threat of recalls. Revel Green's increase in romaine lettuce production is largely due to its new advanced greenhouse in Texas and will produce upwards of 17 million pounds of greens annually upon phase two completion. While doubling its romaine output, Revel Greens' indoor greenhouses continue to use significantly less water than field-grown lettuce. Romaine lettuce continues to represent over a 25% share of the salad and lettuce category sales in both grocery stores and food service. But supply volatility tied to the INSV virus and recalls of romaine lettuce from foodborne illnesses have challenged the industry. The Revel Greens program can be an alternative to reduce the supply risk due to these factors by growing in a protected and controlled environment using advanced growing methods and sustainable greenhouse technology. The brand also uses proprietary plant-fed organic nutrient sources, eliminating the need to use nitrates found in animal waste and greatly reduces the chance of cross-contamination. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. Earlier this month, CDPR issued a positive decision on a 24C special local needs label request to allow application of rimsulfuron via chemigation through subsurface drip irrigation systems. This newly allowed use pattern should be helpful for suppression of broom rape and tomato, according to UCCE weed specialist Brad Hansen. French broom rape and also Egyptian broom rape are relatively new pests for the processing tomato industry in California. These are interesting weeds in that they are uh, root parasites, so they get all of their nutrients from the host plant. They attach uh, below ground and basically uh, uh, use water nutrients to uh, take, it, take it away from the host plant. The scale of the problem is um, not huge right now, um, but it's, uh, it appears to be growing. There's been several fields in the last few years that have been quarantined and destroyed without harvest uh, because it's a, a K-listed quarantine pest. So it's a, a kind of a moderate problem currently with the potential to be a very large problem. Rimsulfuron is widely used in tomato in California both as PRE and early post-herbicide for control of many weeds. The 24C label simply adds a new application method that is targeted specifically at the brune rapes, which are parasites that attached to the roots of tomatoes and other host plants. The new use pattern puts the herbicide right in the root zone of the tomato plant at the time when broom rape seeds are germinating and the seedlings just attaching to the host. Rim sulfuron is the active ingredient in several herbicides. Uh, one of the primary ones is Matrix, um, although there, there are several other products with the same uh, active ingredient. Um, 
that herbicide is quite widely used in tomato already. Um, it provides control of a lot of really important weeds like nightshades and, and uh, you know, grasses and things like that. So it, it's already a registered and widely used herbicide. The problem with it, its current registration is that it's, it's used either as a pre-plant or a post-emergent herbicide, which is a little is really too early for targeting branch broom rapes. The broom rapes emerge, or they germinate rather, and emerge fairly late. So when we use Matrix as a foliar treatment, we're probably close to oh, a month to two months too early. The, the 24C label, the, the 24C is a federal uh, um, statute, essentially, that's different than a full, a full label. The 24C is the special local need use pattern, basically. What this 24C request um, allows, or 24C label allows, rather, is application of rinsulfuron via drip irrigation system. So instead of spraying it on the soil or over the top of the tomatoes, it's injected into the into the root zone of the tomatoes via the irrigation system. Well, what and the idea behind that is you can apply the the rinsulfuron right into the root zone of the tomato, which is where the broom rape seeds are germinating and where the attachment to the host plant root is occurring. In field trials, chemigated rimsulfuron provided significant reductions, about fourfold, in broom rape clusters in a highly infested field. However, no herbicide treatments were 100% effective for this A-listed quarantine pest. So we've had a couple years of field trials with chemigated rimsulfuron. Uh, primarily, we've had crop safety trials because um, we don't have that many broom rape infested fields to work in. Crop safety looks very good, as you'd expect for a widely used, you know, long-registered product. Um, we've had a, a limited amount of efficacy data. Uh, last year, or actually this past season, 2022, we had a, a site where we had fairly substantial reduction in room rates. I would say around a four-fold reduction in room rates um, emergence in the chemigated rim sulfuron treatments compared to the non-treated plot or to the foliar uh, rimsulfuron program. So I think it's, it's not uh, uh, perfect by any measure, but it uh, provides substantial suppression of the important quarantine test. One important note is that the special local needs label cannot be used with other rimsulfuron applications. The 4-ounce product per year maximum is for all uses, so if you apply rimsulfuron via chemigation for broom rape management, you cannot also use rimsulfuron for PRE or post control of other weeds. EPA label on on uh, matrix or on rimsulfuron rather has an annual. This is it's an annual maximum of four ounces of product per year, and that's regardless of application method. So if you use this special local needs SLN label, which which is the, the protocol is 1.33 ounces applied three times. So that's a total of four ounces via chemigation. That basically uses up all of your possible four ounces per calendar year. So if so, basically, if, if you've got a broom rate problem or a concern, this would be a protocol that you could use. However, you wouldn't then be able to use it for control of nightshade or pigweeds or the later, you know, the kind of normal weeds. You'd have to have some other kind of approach out there, uh, uh, herbicide. Uh, in the program to control the, the use of this additional method could also have potential for decreasing likelihood of herbicide resistance for rimsulfuron. 
Um, but I, I just I, I should also be clear that this chemigation practice is targeted pretty much totally at berm rate. This is not going to give you very good control of any, on any other weed because of where you're placing the herbicide, which is you know, eight or ten inches down into the bed, right in the tomato root. And so that's not where the you know the pigweed and the grasses and things are uh, emerging on the on the bed tops and shoulders and so on. But yeah, definitely if you've got a, a field where broom rape is a concern, this is approach and an approach that a grower might want to consider. You're listening to my ag life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. The Farm Bill's last title is likely one of the least controversial, but based on changing farm demographics, still key for the future of U.S. agriculture. Title 12, the USA Operations and Outreach title, is usually overshadowed by debate on a safety net, conservation, nutrition, and other titles. But House Ag Subcommittee Chair Johanna Hayes pointed out at a recent hearing how important a Farm Bill's last title really is. As of 2017, more than one third of America's farmers were over the age of 60, were 65 or older. The average age of producers in the U.S. is about 58, up from, from previous years in the agricultural census, a continuing trend we have been seeing for some time. Highlighting the importance of outreach through USA programs to new beginning and socially disadvantaged producers. Supporting our new and beginning farmers who are in their first 10 years of operation is key to cultivating the future of American agriculture. Kyle Hayes says encouraging more people of color, women, and veterans to go into farming will make for a strong ag system for years to come, drawing bipartisan agreement from possible next ag chair, Glenn G.T. Thompson. And as we prepare for the next farm bill, it is important to ensure young, beginning, socially disadvantaged, and veteran farmers know about and have access to USDA's programs and the benefits they provide. USDA's invested hundreds of millions in minority, beginning, and veteran farmer programs, but department officials told lawmakers more help is needed, while some agencies like the Farm Service Agency lack needed programs. Addressing global food security challenges today and by the year 2050 is among the tasks of a coalition formed at last year's United Nations Food Systems Summit. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain has more. While several wonder how almost 10 billion people in the world can be fed by the year 2050, USDA Ford Agricultural Service Administrator Daniel Whitley offers this reminder. On November 15th, the global population is going to reach 8 billion people. 8 billion people requires work, as we already are having challenges. Speaking at the recent Global Agricultural Productivity Report announcement, the administrator says collaborations will be key in greater food security, now and in the future. And that includes the Coalition on Sustainable Productivity Growth, launched last year at the United Nations Food Systems Summit. This is a phenomenal coalition to advance our interests and our shared concerns with being able to feed citizens all throughout the world. The coalition includes representation for various stakeholder nations, organizations, and academia. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The Biden administration has provided $50 million in grants for schools to invest in new food service equipment that will allow them to continue serving nutritious meals. The funding adds to the $30 million equipment grants that the administration gave the schools earlier this year. The announcement comes during National School Lunch Week, as designated by President Joe Biden. The added support for school meals and child nutrition builds on the momentum from last month's White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, where the administration unveiled a national strategy to end hunger and reduce diet 
related disease by 2030. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says ensuring access to nutritious school meals is one of the best investments they can make in the fight to end child hunger and improve health. USDA provides grants to states which use as which use a competitive application process to award them to school districts participating in the National School Lunch Program. New research from USA's Economic Research Service announced this week shows global food insecurity increased by nearly 10% in fiscal year 2022. USA's International Food Security Assessment Model estimates how food prices and incomes affect food demand and access in 77 low- and middle-income countries. Food insecurity is then evaluated by estimating the population unable to access sufficient calories to sustain a healthy, active lifestyle. Of the people in countries including in a 2022 assessment, almost 119 million more people are estimated to be food insecure compared to 2021. The upward trend in international prices for wheat, coarse grains, and vegetable oils during a 2021 to 2022 marketing year has been further exasperated by Russia's military invasion of Ukraine, which reduced exports of the commodities from the Black Sea region. Domestic prices of major grains in 2022 are projected to rise in 70 of the 77 countries included in the assessment with the North Africa region being the most affected. In recognition of National Hispanic Heritage Month, the Department of Agriculture has announced an investment of $14 million to Hispanic-serving higher education institutions. The funding supports Hispanic student learning experiences in the agricultural and human science sectors. The investment will help attract, retain, and graduate outstanding students from underrepresented communities. USA Deputy Secretary Jewel Brona says that Hispanic-serving higher education institutions are their trusted partners in preparing the next generation of agriculture leaders that more than fully represent the many diverse populations and voices in America. The funding is part of the National Institute for Food and Agriculture's Hispanic Serving Institutions Education Grants Program. The grants program aligns the education institutions' efforts to support the academic development and career attainment of underrepresented groups. Of the universities that are receiving funding is the University of Puerto Rico, California. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.